Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. So, Chad has decided that we need a series in the spring that, about heroes. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. That's true. So I'm going to read a scripture, which will be part of the message, and I'll get back to that shortly, but I'll just read it to start. And this is from 2 Kings chapter 4 and verses 1 to 7, and the title on it is called, Elisha Helps a Poor Widow. Everyone familiar with Elisha? Like he was one of the amazing prophets. He's, he's my favourite. He's my favourite. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband, who served you, is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Hmm, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me. What do you have in your house, in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, <coughs> borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbours, then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing the jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So we're talking about heroes. In our day and age... Our heroes tend to be celebrities or sporting stars, AFL players. But for most part, they are... Now, I've got to be careful here because I'll probably upset a few people. They are not heroes. They're champions. And there is a big difference between a hero and a champion. <coughs> a champion can have a lot of ability and talent and maybe courage, but not necessarily integrity or depth of character. Champions become heroes when there's more to them. And so when an AFL star exhibits some act of bravery, some courage, excessive, not excessive courage, there's no such thing as excessive courage, displays exceptional courage or bravery with character, to me that's a hero. They become role models to someone. And when they visit hospitals, and you don't always know when they, these stars visit the hospitals and visit sick kids, but for some kid, they'll remember that forever. He's my hero because there is more to football playing in that person than, than, than what... Oh, I'm getting mixed up. There's more than football playing to that person. There's also something within them. That's what a hero is about. So heroes... <coughs> The word hero comes from the Greek word and it, it sort of looks something like eros. If you use our alphabet, it looks like heros, where the Greek, where the word hero comes from. And it means defender or protector. 
And in ancient Greek days, it basically was used for someone who had superhuman powers, demigods, people like Hercules. But I want to say a lot of them didn't have much character. But heroes today need to have character. They need to be brave. They need to be courageous. But they also need character. So in the Bible, we have a book full of heroes. There's lots of them there, all shapes and sizes. And come to the think, when I look around this room, we've got all shapes and sizes. Haven't we, Jake? Look at the size of him. Look at the size of... Of, of the, the two Andrews up there, six foot four and six foot six. Is that right? Or have I got two, added two inches onto each of you? <laughs> no, got that right. There you go. So the Bible is full of heroes. David was a hero. He was an amazing hero. David, so you have David and he had character and he had courage. Now we know his character sometimes slipped. But David had enough within him to go back to God, repent and ask God to forgive him and grow him, and which he did. And so all of us can mess up. I'm not saying this is a, a license to mess up because you can get forgiven. It doesn't work that way. Paul talks about this. So you can mess up, but you can bounce back and bounce back bigger in the power of God. Heroes need to have courage, they need to be brave, but they also need character. You don't have to not be scared. Does that sound right, Maureen? Okay, that's right. If I don't confuse Maureen, I've got it right. <laughs> I've got it right. I've got to be careful. Look, you look at the heroes in the Bible, and from what I can see, now, I can't be like totally precise with this, but I'll, I'll just say it this way. Heroes in the Bible have the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll do with that. And if you can find an exception, we'll probably find the hand of God was on that person, so you really can't. They've got the Holy Spirit. They've got the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. I love this. I love this. If you read the Bible, you can find out lots of things. Did you know that? I found out all sorts of things about God and what he can do and, and the Holy Spirit. Because in the Bible, it's in there. Did you know that? Okay. Cool. <laughs> You've got that because sometimes people just don't know that. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, this is what happened. David stood there amongst his brothers. David, the youngest son. Everyone says he's a little boy. Look, he was a teenager. He's probably a big strapping lad. He just wasn't big, as big as Saul who was about six foot six tall or something like that. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he brought and anointed David with the oil. And <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David that day. How amazing is that? <laughs> you get anointed and the Spirit comes upon you. I wonder, if he, I wonder, wonder, wonder how he knew. Did he, did, he, did he jerk? Did he cry? Did he laugh? Did he fall over? Did, was it just, did he get jolted or was it just an incredible sensation of power like he's just going to explode? I don't know. I'll find out when I get to heaven. He'll tell me something. It's absolutely... Anyway, I'll just move on. <coughs> I just don't want to get caught up on that too much. He, the Spirit of God was upon David. Now, I'll tell you something. <laughs> he wasn't perfect, but he made the right choices. 
there is a song which I'm not going to inflict upon you. It came out in the early 2000s by an alternative Christian rock band called Super Chick. Some of you may remember. Everyone remember Super Chick? No, I can't even get one hand. <laughs> and the song is here. A song has a line that's repeated several times. Heroes are made when they make a choice. And sometimes you've got to make <coughs> choices. So look at Saul. <coughs> you think, well, he wasn't much of it. <coughs> he wasn't much of a hero. He's a bit of a dud. Well, he didn't start out that way. Saul was okay when he started out. He was just this big bloke. And he worked for his father like everyone did. And he was the one God chose to be king. It said he was head and shoulders above everyone else. That means he's as tall, at least as tall as Andrew Gordon or Andrew Crichton. He was that size. He, he just stood out. He's even tall. What are you? What tall, how tall are you? Six foot four. Jake as well. <laughs> he was at least, so he was at least that size. He was a big boy. When he was supposed to be anointed, he was hiding in the baggage. He really was a shy sort of person. He probably had courage, but the whole thing of getting up front and all this. So he was hiding. Where, where's Saul? He's hiding in the baggage. He's higher than everyone else, so he's got to duck down behind the baggage. And so he's about to be anointed as king. Now listen to this. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And so the prophet Samuel, who's the one who does the anointing, is, is talking to, to Saul. And he's saying, look, there's this bunch of prophets are going to come your way. They're going to be playing all these instruments and they're going to be prophesying. So all these prophets are coming. And this is what he says. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and be changed into a different person. Saul was given the goods. He was given the Spirit. And he received the Spirit, and he became a different person. You go to verse 9, it said, God gave him a new heart, and Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. So he, got, he became a new person. He got a new heart. And you think, what went wrong? He made bad choices. I want to tell you, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can have the power of the Holy Spirit within you, but you still can choose to make bad choices. And sometimes you've got to make choices that make you stand out, will make you unpopular, but heroes are made when you make a choice. And it doesn't matter whether you're six foot four or six foot six or I don't know what I am, <laughs> five foot something. Um, it doesn't matter what size you are or who you are. It's about making a choice. And God gives you his spirit. He gives you a new heart. You have the power within you to make the right choices and to do what God wants you to do, to be that hero. So the spirit of God was taken from Saul. And this is the sad thing. And that back to 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord left Saul. It says the Lord sent a tormenting spirit. I never quite worked that one out. But what we know, he was filled with depression and fear. But when you look at his history, he did really well. He had a good heart. He was quite a decent sort of a leader for leaders in those days. And David knew that the spirit of the Lord could lead you. 
in Psalm 51, verse 11, God, he says to the God, don't take your presence away from me. Don't, let me. don't remove me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So he knew he had the Spirit and he knew the Holy Spirit could leave. <clears throat> so in the Old Testament, in the Bible, heroes have the Holy Spirit. David when he is anointed as king, has the Holy Spirit. The word anointed or anointing to anoint really means to compete, commission and empower. And, if you, and that means the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That is a given in the whole Old Testament. And it's a given that the prophets have the Spirit. And then when you start reading the Bible, you realise there is no way they can be like they are without the power of God, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so David had the Holy Spirit. Prophets had the Holy Spirit. Heroes have the Holy Spirit. They have courage, which is extraordinary courage. There is bravery, there is character, and the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you can grow in character, and you can do extraordinary things. Today, <coughs> there are people who do brave things. Some people are just one-off heroes, do something extraordinary and never do again. In the Bible, you'll get that. And sometimes they would be heroes for the rest of their lives. Now, the Holy Spirit would be given to people in the Old Testament usually for various roles or positions or tasks. And they may have the Holy Spirit for a lifetime or it just might be a one-off for something. In Numbers 11, verse 25... The Spirit of God was given to 70 elders because Moses wanted to ask God to do that. And I think he asked God to do that. They, these 70 elders, the Spirit came upon them and they prophesied, but they only did that for a while. It didn't happen again. But the Spirit of God was given to certain people for certain tasks throughout the Scripture. So here we go. The Spirit was upon warriors, Leaders, influencers, kings and prophets. So what's the point, preacher? I know you like that. What's the point, preacher? Just pitching a line. This is plagiarism, but I'm acknowledging it comes from Chad. So, <coughs> so it's all there. So it's not plagiarism. Anyway, it gets past, turn it in for those who understand what that means. <coughs> the rest of you don't, and it doesn't matter. Preachers come in all shapes and sizes. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Elders come in all shapes and sizes. Disciples come in all shapes and sizes. We all come in all shapes and sizes. We're all disciples of the living God. And that means we're put into the category where we all can be heroes in some way or another. You might think, I don't want to be a hero. It's not your choice when God's calling. It's not your choice. It's not your choice. You know, read your Bible. You know, I would say, if we read our Bibles more, we would, there's a lot of stuff we would get without having to argue about it. I'm just going to move on. <coughs> now, Elijah, don't hang around with Elijah. You'll get into trouble. You'll get burnt. He was a testy sort of person, spiritually incredibly powerful. Yes, he did have integrity. He did have his character, but he wasn't pleasant. I mean, you, when someone's just doing their job, you don't kill them. Well, if King sends some troops up to tell Elijah to come down to the palace because he needs Elijah to come and do some of his stuff and speak. 
A company of soldiers goes up there and he calls fire from heaven down on them. Kills them. Next lot come up, the same thing. Yeah, he's, he's bad-tempered. The third lot come up and he says, please don't kill us. You know, we're only doing what we're told. So the Lord says, it's fine, you can go down there. No one's going to hurt you. Who's going to hurt Elijah when you can fall he- call fire down from heaven? These boys <laughs> came out one day, is near a city, and started calling them baldy. If they'd said, you've got a shaved head, man, you're awesome, it would have been different. And these bears come out of the, the, the woods and rip the bits. You've got to say, don't hang around with Elijah. <laughs> Elisha, but he had, he had the power of God. He was awesome. He could call a, a famine into being. He could end the famine with a prophetic word. He could pray to God and God would send fire down and burn up an offering on top of Mount Carmel. I've been there. I was looking for the scorched stones, but they put, built the church out of them that's up there, so they, everything that's anything, they put a church on it. I looked out to the sea, and I said, is that the Mediterranean there to the God? He says, yeah. I said, is that where <laughs> Elijah was looking when the clouds were coming? He says, yeah. I thought, wow. He was looking out there too. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'll probably keep doing this sort of thing. I'm starting to warm up. Now, He was spiritually powerful. He had the Holy Spirit upon him. How do I know he had been given the Spirit? The Bible doesn't really tell you that. I want to say with the great prophets, (coughs) it's a given in the Bible. But when you do things like you part the River Jordan, Elijah did that as well. When you do incredible miracles and and make incredible prophetic words, You've got to say, you're getting that from somewhere. You can't do it yourself. <laughs> I mean, I could probably come up with a prophetic word that's not, that I made up. <laughs> not a good idea. The Bible warns up against that. But I couldn't make the Jordan part. I've seen the Jordan, and it's not that impressive, but it probably was then because I hadn't been taking water out of it to irrigate the whole land. You've got to have power to do that. So he had the Spirit of God upon him. So Elisha, so this is where this is going, by the way, Alex. <laughs> this is going somewhere. We're just about there, just about there. You okay with that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. Alex, you probably never realised, but I always like to have someone I can bounce off of. And you're about where my, one of my blokes at Lucendale, when I started preaching, would sit. And I used to, I used to bounce off him. Picking on him, he called it. I call it bouncing. <laughs> and so Elisha was... <laughs> Elijah's disciple. That means he was mentored and taught by Elijah. Elijah was his teacher and mentor. And by the way, that is what, in biblical terms, a disciple is. Someone who has a teacher and mentor. And so, just here's one for free. As disciples of Jesus, each one of us are required, biblically, to have a teacher and mentor, and I'm not kidding. That, that is the truth. And we also need to be finding those we teach and mentor. You will hear more about this over the, to- over the next few months. Guarantee it. It's my baby at the moment. Now, and so he was mentored by Elijah. He was taught by Elijah. But, you know, he wasn't a reproduction. 
So you don't have to be a reproduction of the person who mentors you. They're doing that for God to grow you into what God wants you to be, a hero. And those you disciple for God, you teach and mentor, they need to be who God wants them to be. So we need to understand that. We're not producing carbon copies here. So Elisha was this powerful prophet. And he also was warm and compassionate. He was a people person. Just read the stories and you soon realise who you'd rather hang out with, Elisha or Elijah or Moses. I'm not sure if he'd want to hang out with Moses. He seemed to be cranky all the time, but come to think of it. And so... I don't want to. I could get sidetracked really easy on these guys. I love these guys. I'm just glad they're in the Bible and not here. <coughs> and that. so he was warm and compassionate. He was a real people person. He would like. It seems like he had a school of prophets that he gathered around them. In those days, someone who sensed that God was calling them that way to, to the to the ministry of prophet. And there was a sense of the spirit working with them. They would find a prophet who could teach them, who could mentor them. And he had a stack of them. At one stage there, they came to him and they said, look, this place we've got is not big enough. It's like a Bible college. <laughs> it's not big enough. And can we go down to the Jordan? There's a place down there and there's trees and we can build a decent place down there. He said, sure, off you go. He wasn't, he wasn't phased. And they said... But will you come with us? Yeah, sure. So down they go. That's the place where the axe head got lost and it floated. Another story. That's worth working that one out of what was really going on there. And so you've got Elisha. He gathers people around him. He's got his boys, so to speak. Today, it would be happy to have his boys and girls. <laughs> but then it was just the boys. But there were women prophets around there. They just didn't seem to be with him at that day. Deborah. Hey, Deborah. She was, she was absolutely awesome. We'll talk about her another time. Absolutely amazing. So you've got Elisha. You have this story where one of his prophets dies. Now you need to understand that prophet was <laughs> probably only in his early 20s. His widow comes to Elisha and said, my husband's died and there's, I've, he, there's money being owed and there's these creditors are coming and they're going to take my two sons and sell them as slaves. That means those kids were quite small. So she was probably only, she probably got married at 15, probably had the first one at 16. She's probably 20, 21 or something like that. And her husband, not much older. So you've got this young widow who's destitute. It just sounds like prophets didn't make a lot of money in those days, especially if they had integrity. So I'm going to read that scripture again. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. So, one, so now, think about Elisha, people person. Think about people who followed Elisha. Basically, he had his Bible college. He had a school of prophets. And he was close to them, and they were close to him, and he'd know their families. He'd know this woman. He probably was there when those kids were born, and they probably celebrated together. So one day... The widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons away as slaves. Come to think, that creditor word sounds almost like predator, doesn't it? Just 
Just a thought. <coughs> what can I do to help? So he says, what can I do to help you? Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have? In- Come to think of it, what kind of society s- takes kids if you own money? You've got to think. Anyway, I, I just thought of that. I've, I've been thinking about that, actually. What can I do to help you? He, actually, he asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbours. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did what, as she was told, <coughs> her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to the, her son, to one of her sons. There aren't any more, she, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your son can live with what's, on, with what's left over. I thought, got a flask of olive oil, so maybe, maybe it was something about that side. Jars in biblical times seem to be really big and it filled all these jars up. You need to know this. In those days, <coughs> around the days of Elijah, Elisha and those kings afterwards, there were two things that were grown that you got a lot of money for. Wine and olive oil. There were massive olive groves across Israel. There were massive vineyards across Israel. People would come from other countries to buy the wine and olive oil because of its high quality and there was a lot of it. (coughs) So it was incredibly valuable. And so she ended up with a huge amount of olive oil, enough to pay the debt and to live on. So you look at this story and here I see the gifts of the Spirit operating. I don't think I'm taking any licence in what I'm about to say. I could be, but probably not. And if I do, I'm sure someone will correct me afterwards. Or if you're so offended now, you'll probably jump up. But if you don't jump up, that's fine. So the first one is, there's a word of knowledge happening here. So just think about, just think about it carefully. He says, How, what can I do to help you? And then he says, what do you have in the house? It's almost like the Spirit's saying, There's something in the house that is going to help here. So there's a word of knowledge. You need to understand when the gifts of the Spirit operate, they don't operate in isolation. They usually operate with at least one or two more other gifts. (coughs) That is typical with the gifts of the Spirit. They operate with more than... They don't operate just on their own. And so here we have... (coughs) We have this... What do you have? And he, he said, what do you have in the house? So there's like a word of knowledge. And they say, then she says, well, nothing really except a flask of olive oil. And so here now we see a prophetic word starting to take shape, blending in with the word of knowledge. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your neighbours and you and your son shut the door and just start filling them up. Now that's got to be prophetic word. He in effect is calling olive oil into being that just wasn't there. <coughs> he sort of knew that there was something there. Now that the prophetic word starts happening. And also he seems to know how to go about it. Go and ask your neighbours. Get all the jars. You might say that's common sense. Well it is. 
Shut the door when you come back. You need to understand that common sense is one of the, 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 one of the constituencies of wisdom. It's part of what wisdom is about. So I would say there is a, a, a degree of wisdom working here as well. This is how you go about it. This is what you do. You are okay with this, Mel? Yeah, okay, smiling. I think he is anyway. <laughs> You're thinking, can't he see him smiling? No, he can't. <clears throat> so there's, there, there's a word of knowledge. There's prophecy, there's wisdom. There's a massive miracle. There's a gift of it. That's a gift of the Spirit. And there's faith. And so you have Elijah's faith here. But also that woman, in a sense, would have faith in God because Elijah's got faith in God. She just basically does what he says. So from my mind, I can see five gifts of the Spirit at work in this story. So you've got knowledge and prophecy and wisdom and faith <coughs> And, uh, and what was the other one I said? Well, anyway, miracles. That's it. That's it, the miracles. So that's all happening here. Also, you can see something of the character of God. You can see a real sense of compassion here. Now, I can't sort of see the... I've never seen compassion listed as the fruit of the Spirit, but when I think of things like kindness, goodness, and gentleness as the fruit of the Spirit, put that together, you've got compassion You've got a, a big part of what compassion is about. So there's compassion. Now God is a compassionate God. Jesus was compassionate. And we've also got obedience here where that woman was obedient to the prophet and a disciple is obedient to those in authority over them. That is a, one of the marks of a disciple. And so if you're discipling someone, they're obedient to you and if someone's discipling you, you're obedient to them. In our day and age, people find it very hard to submit to the pastor. But biblically, it does. It doesn't mean to say the pastor is given a license to be a dictator. I'm just saying we have this mandate to be submissive to those in authority over us. That is another story. Everyone's, hmm, okay, well, it's true. Read your Bible. It's all in there. Read your Bible. <laughs> so there's a whole heap of stuff going on. You, this could have been a New Testament story. It could have been Jesus doing this. It could have been a book of Acts story. It could have been Peter doing this. This is familiar territory. It just happened in the Old Testament with Elisha. Now, for that woman and her kids, who's their hero? Who's their hero? Their hero is Elisha. And what's more, they would talk about that for the rest of their lives. <clears throat> they would talk about, do you remember, Mum, <coughs> when Elisha came and we got all this olive oil, like, supernaturally? Do you remember, Mum? And they would tell their kids. That story probably went on for generations before it probably got lost in myth and all sorts of things. But, but we're still talking about it. <clears throat> that story hasn't gone away. We're still talking about the wonder and the power and the compassion of God using a hero like Elijah. Elijah wasn't a lofty person. He wasn't an unapproachable person. This woman had an issue, had a problem, and it was a bad problem. She was going to lose a kid. She was going to starve to death. And he goes to her place, and there is an incredible miracle done. He was concerned about her. <laughs> so Elisha is someone, to me, who is a great hero. Folks, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be what God calls us to be. 
you're not just called to be saved. You are called to be a disciple of God to fulfill the great commission, which is to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything Jesus has taught us. <clears throat> that is what we're about. And I know that can make us uncomfortable, but that's the bottom line. If disciples hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here. <coughs> we're here because someone in the past did what they were supposed to do and made disciples. So who was the hero of that woman and the kids? Elisha. So who do you talk about <coughs> who's a hero in your life and you continue to talk about and you can talk about the rest of your life because if you've got a person like that, they've made an impression on your life. They're a hero in your life because of who they are and what God is doing with them in your life. Today, thanks, Mount. <laughs> We've got heroes. So what are the heroes of modern times? Who are the heroes? There's lots of them. You could say Martin Luther King. He's a hero. Absolutely. He had the lot. What about Mother Teresa? She could be a bit scratchy too, by the way. She could be. She had an amazing ministry in those slums. One time there was this wife of some diplomat used to come down and help her. She'd come down in a chauffeur-driven car, <laughs> get let off at this hospital in the slums, and she'd help in the wards. One particular day, she sends a car down, and uh, the driver said, oh, she can't come today because she's got a slight temperature. She's got a fever. Mother Teresa sends a message back, it's hotter in hell. <laughs> she was there within 10 minutes. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, when you're passionate about something, sometimes you might just lose a bit of the finesse. But at the end of the day, she, was, she is a hero of the 20th century. Churchill was a hero. He was full of flaws and insecurities, but an amazing hero. So what about this year? Who are our heroes? This is not a political statement, but our Prime Minister is a hero. He has the Holy Spirit, and we need to remember that the leader of our nation, no matter what your political persuasion is, has the Holy Spirit. So he's a hero. Our firefighters are heroes. Absolutely. We've almost forgotten about all of that when all of that was raging because of the, of the, the pandemic. And our emergency workers today, our emergency workers, our frontline workers, they're our heroes. Our hospital workers, our medical people, they're our heroes. The people who work the ambulances, they're our heroes. And for me, oh, I've got a few. I wish they were real. No. <laughs> I better have a drink of water. I, got, I made that one up. <laughs> you say settle down. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. Well, Nehemiah, <coughs> if we just want to start with a biblical hero, he's another hero. Can't find anywhere where it says he had the Spirit of God upon him, but there is one, a couple of places where the book of Nehemiah talks about how the gracious hand of the Lord was upon him. So he's, he, had the, he had the power of God on him. And the only power of God I know is the power of the Holy Spirit. So... In December, I was on this walking tour through Jerusalem and it was a rainy day 
and as some of you know, I slipped over and really sprained my right knee badly. And we were, went to this place where <laughs> we were going to go down into a tunnel called the Hezekiah Tunnel and, there's, and walk through the water through this Hezekiah Tunnel for about 100 metres. And I thought, it's not going to be able to do it. So I said to the guy, I can't walk through. I'm lucky to walk as it is. And so he said, come with me. That's how he talked. Come with me. So we went down all of these stairs. He's miles ahead of me because, you know, he was ex-special services and forces and stuff like that. He was secret service and bodyguard of the prime minister of Israel. So he probably just didn't mess around with fools, like with a sore knee. And so I'm staggering down these stairs. And we get to this park. It's a really nice park with these olive trees that are hundreds of years old and a hill on one side with stonework along the front of this hill. And he says, you wait here. They're all going to come out over here. Then he says to me, he says, see that wall? I said, yeah. He says, see the bottom part? He says, yeah, that's Canaanite wall, 4,000 years old. See the wall on top of it? He says, yeah, that's Nehemiah's wall. I thought, wow, he's my hero. He's one of my heroes, Nehemiah. And I saw his wall and I touched the wall. That ne- He could have touched that stone. Anyway, so he's the hero. My big hero is a man called Dan Armstrong. I don't know if anyone even knows that name. Put up your hand if anyone even knows that name. There's a few, yeah, there's a few hands going up. Those who know Dan Armstrong know about this Australian evangelist who's getting on now, he's still alive, who had an incredible impact on the church in Australia. Country churches, Aboriginal churches, had a love for Indigenous people. He's a bit of a larrikin. It was cheeky, but just an amazing, powerful, wonderful, warm-hearted, larger-than-life man of God. If I got that right, Joan? Yeah, that's pretty right. Anything else to add on that? It's just amazing. So he was the one where I suddenly saw that to be a, as, as a Christian, you really didn't have to be all that serious in yourself as long as you're serious about God. And... Uh, so he was my hero and my role model. And, and anyone who really knows Dan and knows me will say, yeah, I know where you've got it from. I got it from him. I got it from him. Before that, I was very shy and retiring and wanted to stay out the back. And that, so here's a hero. Here's another hero, Mim Ashby. Who knows Mim Ashby? <laughs> she goes to this church. She's not here today. Mim was one of those who drive the horse tram or lead the horses. And she's about that thin sort of thing. You know, she could, the wind could blow her away, but she's as tough as nails. And she's just so amazing and lovely. <laughs> so Mim is one of those people who could do that. She's the type who could have the little girl, uh, Annalise, over her shoulder while she's loading a, a, a trailer full of wood to be taken away. They have a wood selling business. She's that sort of person. She's that sort of person. She's no pushover, but she is so lovely. Anyway, this is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. A few years ago, men with a bunch of others from Gateway, we were still pastoring them, <coughs> Southern Gateway, went on a missions trip to Uganda with Rebecca Van Tendren's dad, Bill Osborne. And this, those of you may know, that's a South Australian ministry in Uganda. And they've been out in the countryside <coughs> for several days, ministering in various villages. And this particular night, they were in this village, and then they were praying for people, uh, praying for people for whatever. This young woman comes up to Mim. She's very, very pregnant. 
very, very pregnant, comes up to Mem, and uh, she couldn't speak English, but with a bit of sign language and someone else with a little bit of English, we got the, she got the idea that the baby hadn't moved at all for three weeks. But what I understand, that's probably not good. Is that right? Not good? It hadn't moved. Is that, is that right? That's not good? Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure this is right. And so Mim started praying for her. Partway as they're praying, all of a sudden, this young woman's face just lights up. If it was, say, one of us, she'd probably go red. But Mim, I think she virtually went white. And there's this look of joy and wonder and tears. The baby just started kicking, like mega kicking, big time. Up until then, for three weeks, that baby hadn't moved. Now, I don't really know what went on there. Mim, if she was here, she'd tell you pretty well the same thing. To my mind, one or two things happened. Something was wrong with the baby, and it just got healed and started kicking, or the baby had died in the womb. I suggested that to Mim, and she actually didn't disagree with me. The thing is, for that young mother and that child, they'll talk about that forever. She'll talk about this Mzumgu woman who prayed for her, and you started moving, and look, I have you now. They love their kids there, by the way. They absolutely love their kids. And that kid will talk about how this Mzumgu woman prayed for my mum. So she's a hero. One more. Seen Maureen do the hero thing a few times. I've seen her doing it a lot, actually. A couple of years ago, we were in Melbourne, and we were at the Awakening, and it was just an amazing, massive event in, in the Marvel Stadium, and quite a few of you were there. This particular afternoon, people were sent out in the city to go and basically evangelise a city. And they went in groups. Well, more and I didn't go in a group because uh, we just didn't want to. And we just found people we could talk to. And we did. And this particular, we're walking up this street and all of a sudden Maureen just squats down by this woman on the footpath. She sat there and she's begging. She's homeless. She be, wouldn't have been 40. And Maureen says something like, I see you. When someone's homeless, no one sees them. And we've learned to say to a homeless person, I see you, might sound, but all of a sudden, that blank, dead face comes to life when you do that. So we just started chatting and she told us about a bit about herself and she'd had pretty rough innings in life. But she's still positive, which is quite amazing. So Maureen said, would you like a coffee? And she says, no. And she says, oh, could I have a water? So, sure. So Maureen, would you want something to eat? Oh, okay. She, she wasn't after anything. And so we went into a, a shop just nearby and got her water and got her a coffee. Maureen bought her. They did a lot of takeaways, bought her the, the best-looking takeaway that she could see in the place, which was something really nice. And then something else she could just put in a bag and went back and she was like really happy with that. We talked some more and then we prayed for her. And the prophet kicks in 
more and prophesies into a life, into a future. And that was about it. The prophet is a hero. A prophet needs compassion. The hero needs compassion. We need the Spirit of God. Just about there. Our ultimate hero is Jesus. He always gets it right. He has courage and bravery and depth of character and compassion. And Jesus on earth had the Holy Spirit. I don't know how it works in heaven, but probably they just sit and hang out with each other. I don't know how that works. But our ultimate hero has to be Jesus, who calls people like us to follow, to change the world, and to be heroes to someone. Here's my closing words. Who are your heroes? And just as importantly, who are you a hero to? Now I'm finished preaching and we're going to get the worship team up here. We're going to worship for a bit. I'm going to pray over you as a church and then following that, I'm going to invite you to come to the front to stand at appropriate distances. I'm not going to actually lay hands on anyone and I'm just going to pray some impartation of the Holy Spirit over you. How's that go? All right? Cool. Okay. Are we ready to worship? And someone could grab this thing off me. This would be good. We don't need that anymore. Did you see Barry Chant when he was here the other week? Someone was putting the lectern up and he says, oh, I don't need that.
just there, I was feeling all the bass notes coming through the floor. It was like really strong, really powerful. It was quite, quite something. The thing is, our God empowers us to be his people. He empowers us to love people. Do you know why it is so darn hard to love people sometimes? Not everyone is real lovable. But God empowers us because everyone needs loving. Can we just have these lights down because I really want to see some faces here. So we need the power of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can learn to grow up to be like Jesus. Some people are naturally good and nice. But we all need Jesus. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit to be more than just nice and just be good. To, to be something to a generation of people who really don't know where they're going. What to do in this world of change and complexity. So we need the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to simply pray the Holy Spirit to come to fill you again. And then when I've done that, I'm going to invite you to come and stand across the front. And if you stand at appropriate distances, that would be really good. And I just want to do some impartation with you. So ready for this. Lord Jesus, you promise your Holy Spirit to your people. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fall upon your sons and daughters here at Bayside today? <coughs> like you did on the day of Pentecost. Would you come in power? Would you come like a roaring wind from heaven? Would you come like tongues of fire? Holy Spirit, whatever way you want to come, would you come? Would you come upon your people and bring a deep sense of your presence and power? Lord, as our hearts open to you, as, our, as we lift our spirits towards you, Lord, Fill us again, Lord, again and again and again and overwhelm us with your goodness and your grace and your mercy and power. Send the fire, Lord. Send the wind, Lord. Send the rain. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, come, come. We need you, God. We need your goodness. We need your power and love. We need confidence, Lord to be what you intended us to be, Lord. You want us to be heroes, Lord, but most of us don't want to be heroes. But Lord, you give us what we need. So come, Holy Spirit. Make your presence known, Lord. Make your presence known. <coughs> so start lifting your hands and your hearts to heaven to receive of his goodness. 
Open heaven, Lord. Let your glory fall. Let your presence come. Let your presence come in strength and power and love and gentleness. We need you, God. We need you to be the people of God in this place, to be sons and daughters, to know who we are. Just a little one. Now, I just want to invite you to make your way to the front and just line up across maybe in a row. Keep a distance. Don't be the, the, you don't have to be the first to go, but don't wait for the first to come. You need to come. I want to pray of you. Here we go. Here we go. The couple here. Just come here in the middle so people can see there's people here. Yeah. I'm not going to rush this. We're not going to, not going to sort of strong arm you down here. It doesn't mean if you don't come down that God won't reach out and do something with you. I'm darn sure he will. There's just something about moving from one place to another that's sort of like making a choice to, to go somewhere and, and saying to God, whatever you're doing, just do it with me and them and someone else. So Father God, we lift our minds and our hearts and our eyes to heaven, knowing you are this glorious and wonderful Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would impart onto the hearts of each of these sons and daughters and to the tiniest one that they'd know without a doubt who they are. You'd confirm their identity. Son of God, daughter of God, child of God. Would you impart that into their hearts and into their beings? For each person, come Holy Spirit, would you do that now? Identity of the living God, Son of the God, forgiven, set free, you have a future, you have a purpose, you have a destiny. Your life means something. I pray, Lord, as you confirm identity into hearts, you would drive out those things that say you're useless, you're no good, you're inadequate. Come Holy Spirit, just do a number on the negative demonic stuff. Son of God, daughter of God. Holy Spirit, would you come and confirm a deep sense of purpose in each heart? And I pray, Lord, you would empower them with your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Fill each one again and again and again with power and presence, confirming their identity, their future, and their purpose. They have a destiny. I pray for each one that they, in the morning when they get up and look in the mirror, they like what they see. 
Jesus, you called people to be disciples. Men, women, boys and girls. You call them to be heroes. You call us to be more than believers. You call us to be people who would make more disciples. I pray, Lord, that you'd start, you'd, you'd bring something there. I pray, I, I ask, Lord, that you would bring something into hearts that would be unsettling, that there has to be more to the Christian life. There has to be more to the, what discipleship is about. I pray you'd bring an un, a sense of being unsettled and a sense of excitement that people's lives are going to be turned around by each one of these would-be heroes. Would-be heroes. Reluctant heroes. Sons and daughters of God. Come, Holy Spirit, come through this building. Wash through this building. Blow through this building. Tarry in this building. Stay with each one. I pray there'll be, for some, you would just take them into places where they've never been. Some would get a look into heaven. Some would be just knowing their life will be different forever. And we need you, Jesus. And we thank you so much for your incredible goodness from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.